Hello and welcome to In A Good Place, the wellbeing and personal development podcast from Hello, hosted by me, Rosie Nixon. We're now in our third series and I'm so happy to have you here. In each episode, I chat to an inspirational personality for a catch-up on life away from the spotlight and learnings about how they look after their mental and physical health. I ask each guest to come to the recording with some reset moments to discuss. A reset is when your life moves into a new chapter and I love discovering how they go about navigating that time. I'm certain that whatever you're going through, there's someone out there who has experienced something similar. There are plenty of tips and takeaways in every episode and I hope that you'll pick up some useful support and feel less alone by listening to this conversation. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please do give this podcast a follow and share your thoughts with friends or with me on social media. Kelly Hoppen is one of the UK's most well-known interior designers. Her projects range from the homes of top celebrities to luxury hotels, cruise ships and jets. And she's known for her use of muted colours to create calm and super chic, opulent environments. She's also an author, a former dragon on Dragon's Den, and her eye for style has spawned several affordable interiors collections, including K for Kelly Hoppen, which she fronts for QVC. At the age of 64, Kelly seems to have no intention of retiring, and I'm looking forward to discovering if this is, in part, as a result of her recovery from breast cancer, which turned her world upside down in 2022. Despite knowing that her mother had breast cancer, Kelly has spoken of her regret at failing to attend mammogram appointments for years but thankfully when she finally did and cancerous cells were discovered she was able to have surgery to completely remove them. A cancer diagnosis is a huge reset moment and I'm intrigued to discover how it's changed her life. I love Kelly's company, she's always straight talking and she's a huge advocate for health and well-being so I know she'll pass on tips especially for others who are in recovery or getting treatment following cancer. So please settle in and join us for this chat. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Are you in a good place? (laughs) I am in a good place. I'm in an amazing place, actually. Um, Never felt better. I just feel great. I feel happy, content, full of beans, healthy, loving work, you know, just really good and counting down the days to Christmas. Oh, yeah, I can't believe it. It's approaching fast, isn't it? I know, and it's busy. It's busy this time of the year. So it's like boom, boom, boom. So yeah, yeah. I've been watching some of your um, Christmas accessories on QVC. Got my eye on the wreath, which looks rather amazing. It's all gone. Totally. Has it? Wow. Is that what happened? Yeah, we sold out in two days of everything. All gone. Crazy. That's incredible. So you have to get in there fast if you see something on <laughs> Kelly's Instagram or on QVC. Um, so it's all limited edition, is it? Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what I love about QVC. It's like being on a market store. You're talking to people in their home, literally down the camera. I'm running around and I'm, you know, selling things that I've designed, especially for, you know, my customers who I've had for years, for nearly 16 years. And literally, you know, you start on air and they're like, Kelly, there's a thousand people online, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and the excitement. It's just such an amazing thing. I love doing QVC. Brilliant. Mm. And so great that it's an affordable line because obviously we are in a cost of living crisis and all the pieces on there are are, are very affordable. So for those that think that they couldn't possibly get a bit of Kelly Hop and magic in their own home, they, they actually can. QVC are brilliant like that. And that's why I love being a part of it. Now, when I asked you that question, are you in a good place? I have to say that before we came on air, I was frantically running around tidying up my place (laughs) so that the background, because we're in the middle of yet more renovations to our home and that blue cupboard is not normally there. And I was like, oh God, Kelly's going to think that's terrible. Do you know what? (laughs) I didn't even notice it. That's the thing. People sort of, you know, take years to invite me to their home for dinner thinking that I'm going to criticize it but I'm here to talk to you and I'm looking at you and until you mentioned the blue cupboard I hadn't actually even noticed it so it's interesting isn't it I shouldn't have pointed it out (laughs) (laughs) Um, do do people seriously though avoid having you come to their home until they feel they've got it in a 
place that they can be yeah. really proud. I mean, literally, I've got some friends who I'm still waiting and they're like, we'll have to move before you can come. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> this is crazy. Or they puff their cushions for a week before I arrive. It's very yeah. funny. Now, are you in London at the moment? Because I know you're sort of splitting your time now between London and the barn that you um, converted well, in the Cotswolds. Really. I'm not. I'm always in London. I'm in the studio Monday to Friday and I go to the barn on a Friday and come back on a Sunday night. I really do want to try and add another day to be working in the country. And I was going to do that after COVID and I've just been sucked back in and it's it's really difficult. Plus, we've moved into a beautiful new home in London, so I don't really want to leave here. So I'm kind of, you know, a bit between the two at the moment. But yeah, I'm in the studio every day. I work. I work for a living. You know, people often yeah. say, how often do you go in a year? And I laugh. I'm like, it's my company. You know, I mm. love doing what I do. When did your interest in interiors begin? Was there a moment as a young child? 10. You know, my mum said I was obsessed with sort of architectural digest, looking at befores and afters and I think at 13, she said, do you want to get rid of all the pink flowers in your bedroom? And I designed my bedroom at the age of, I think, 13. And it had cream shagpile carpet and it had felt walls in chocolate brown. How revolting. <laughs> and it had was trimmed in chrome. I had this really cool kind of chrome retro chair. I had white shutters. And I remember a rather hideous duvet cover, but... If you think about it, for a kind of 13-year-old, that's quite sort of modern, forward thinking. But every weekend, she would say, what do you want to do? And because I was bullied at school, I didn't really sort of have friends and things. So I would go, I just want to go and look at show flats, you know, where you go and have a look at a show flat and houses and stuff. And that's what I used to do, or go to museums or art galleries. You know, I was a bit geeky like that, but I loved, absolutely loved interiors. There was no question about it. Do you think it was a means of escapism? No, I don't. I think I was born to do this. And, you know, my mum said that my dad and her would go out and they'd come back and I would have moved things around at home in the house. So I clearly, you know, going to stay at my grandparents every year at Christmas, I loved their home and I loved the way it felt and it was welcoming and it was the complete antithesis of what I do, but it was everything about the experience. That was my takeaway as a child, to create that experience for people. And then I found my footing in terms of what my style was and this kind of East meets West mix. And that's where it came from, you know, and I still love it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, your enthusiasm for it just shines. I love following you on Instagram. And it is sort of, you know, something, your obsession almost. Yeah. And that, that creativity, did your parents nurture it in you? Well, not really, because my dad died when I was 16. And I started the business at 16 and a half. So yes, they nurtured it in that every half term or holiday, they took us to a city and dragged us around museums, which at the time we hated my brother and I. But, you know, in retrospect, it was kind of this amazing thing that they were doing and taking us to see different cultures and different languages and people and environments. So, yes, they did, I suppose. They were very supportive in that. And my mother was always in the arts and my father was in fashion. So we were sort of in that kind of crazy world. And because my mother was South African, it was always an open house. So, you know, there would be dinners and lunches with artists and poets and fashion designers and people in food and whatever. And as children, we were just thrown into this yeah. world. So we were, it was very much a part of our upbringing. Yeah. And then starting a business at 16 and a half is quite Don't. incredible. So that was literally from your bedroom. Kind of, because at 16 and a half, 17, I moved into an apartment because my father had died and I did that up and that's where I really started the business. But, you know, I look back at it now and I just, how, how did I do that? And the only answer I can give is that, I guess in those days, if you were fearless and courageous and tenacious and 
you'd been through what I had, which was the bullying and then your father mm. being killed and all of that. It was like, no, I'm going to stand up on my own two feet. I'm never going to rely on anyone else. Uh, my father had left me some money. I, I, you know, I could support myself. So I was very lucky. And I just put my all into it. And mm. I was fearless, literally. But, you know, it wasn't like you have Instagram and Google and whatever. I was out meeting people, knocking on doors, looking for fabrics, furniture, all of those things, meeting journalists to get pieces in magazines, you know. So I had good grounding and training, if you like. Yeah. You know, rather than today where you just put something up on Instagram and the whole world sees it. That's very true. Do you think that fearlessness, that's kind of strong streak has stayed with you throughout your career? Yes. And I think to my to my detriment sometimes, because I think at that point when I was that young, I sort of kind of put a whole shield around me. So in terms of relationships and things, I think that was tricky as a woman. I think your vulnerability is really important. So over the years, I've read and I've taught myself all of the things that you need to to get to that balance and equilibrium. But it is what it is, and it's who I was. And still mm. to this day, people, when they get to know me, go, oh, you're not at all what I expected. You're so nice and sweet. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, sometimes it was more fear and being quite nervous in public. And, you know, I'm always conscious that until you speak to someone, don't make an opinion because everybody has their shields and their things that they put up and that's okay and I think everyone's very judgmental today it's like two minutes they're this or they're that you know I think people need to give people time yeah you're so right about not judging people because this digital world that we live in as well somebody's persona online is often so different to the real them I mean I'm often surprised all the people that I meet that are in the public eye who actually say that they're really very shy and you would never get that impression from their social media account I think it's really important to remind ourselves isn't it not to judge well I had a funny thing the other night my brother has four daughters and two of them have just had babies and one of them's home is just immaculate and wonderful and they were like oh how does she do it you know one of the sisters it's like I said let me tell you I was there on a Sunday it was pandemonium like it should be after you've had a baby in two weeks I said she just does these little corners that look perfect and that is Instagram and you know the sooner people realize that Instagram is not reality the Mm. better because I think it will take a huge amount of pressure off people of all different ages. Um, you know, even me coming up here into the asset, thinking, oh, is it the right background? What are people going to think? You with your yes. new thing. We're all doing it, you know. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. You no, know, authenticity so is right. better. This is so great to hear that from you as well, because we do sort of get this impression that you live in this perfect sort of luxury cream world. <laughs> but it's well, nice to hear it. It's pretty perfect. If I turned it round and I'm in one of the guest rooms, you'd see I like everything just so. Yeah. But I'm not. But the other side of me is that I want the world to know the authenticity about me and who I am and how I speak and whatever. The fact that everything's perfect is just the way I like to live rather than the way I want people to see it. So I think there's a big difference in that. How did you segue then from starting your company at such a young age to getting these big celebrity clients? Can you remember the first moment that you made that connection and who was it with? So the first celebrity, uh, and I can talk about it because it was so long ago and because I don't normally, was Martin Shaw, the actor. And I don't even remember where I met him, but he asked me to do up his house for him. And I actually had a massive crush on him because he was in The Professionals, you know. And I was so young, but we became really good friends. So I did his home. And then I did a racing driver, an amazing project, one one of the biggest projects at that time. And he was having an affair with a girlfriend of mine, and that's how I got the job. And then from there, I got a stream of Grand Prix racing drivers, like Grand Prix, top, top, top. And that's how it happened. It was a kind of snowball effect. And I was sort of thrown into this kind of celebrity, well-known people. And the reason I never spoke about my clients was I was too scared. I thought that they would take the job away from me. So it wasn't anything about me being, oh, I'm not going to, you know, 
I was terrified. Yes. But as the years went by, I realized I didn't have to. And so I stuck by it. Unless people like Victoria and David mentioned it or Joe Malone or, you know, there were a few people that did say that I had. And of course, then I said, yes, I did. But otherwise, I never mentioned it. And mm. it was a real lesson that you can sell your what you do on the basis of how good it is rather than who you've worked for, which is today what everybody does. And I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I admire you for that. And the Beckhams that you mentioned there, Victoria and David, did you watch the Beckham documentary? Yeah. Well, in fact, in it, no one would know, but I'm the one that comes out in LA to hug them because I was handing over the house to them. So it was quite funny for me to watch back at that time because I remember the noise of the helicopters and everything, you know, I thought it was a great documentary. It was brilliant. It, it was. And I just wondered about David's OCD. We saw him kind of in his true. immaculate wardrobe. Was he it's quite true. a challenging client to have? No, no, he was brilliant. Both of them were. But I remember minutes before they were about to arrive in LA, I looked over in the living room and there was, you could say I've got OCDC because there was a small picture on the wall painting and it was out by a millimeter. And I said, Oh, my God, I've got to move that. And they went, No, 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 they're they're coming, they're coming. And I ran out. And I remember as they came into the living room, the first thing David did was go over and just move it. (gasps) So he spotted it as well. Wow. I know, yeah. I've never forgotten that. Yeah, <laughs> I loved how immaculate his outdoor kitchen situation was as well. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Yeah, and recently I saw that you've done Boy George's Home, which appeared yes. in a magazine that looked absolutely stunning with all yeah. the pieces of art in there. Yeah, I mean, Boy George was, you know, I didn't expect how that project turned out. And I knew his manager and had worked for his manager on a couple of homes. And George and I got on famously when we met and he came to our old home and said, I want this. And I said, no, you don't. I think I know what you want. And it was such a great project because I just, I don't know, I just knew what he wanted, this kind of Zen, eclectic mix, but not losing his identity, but installing his job with all his art that he painted and the photography and, you know, Bowie had given him this and Mm. Lennon had given him that and all of this history was amazing and he became a great friend and it was just a joyous project actually and Mm. I I never expected it to be as easy as it was because of him wanting to change the way he lived and the fact that it was his old home that can also be quite tricky with people but it was very easy. Mm. So you really have to get to know the personality I mean it's so private and personal isn't it well that's a bit I'm good at I'm very good at getting into people's heads like going through working it all out and if there's more than one person I'm dealing with I'm very good at that and it's actually probably one of the bits I enjoy the most it's sort of that psychological thing and once you get it boom you're like you're just Mm. flying and then when you present it and you get it right it's a great feeling. It's like, you know, a chef cooking something and someone going, oh, it's the best meal I've ever tasted. It's the same kind of thing, except for me, it takes way longer to get that record, you know, that moment when they get, when they go, it's brilliant. Whereas a chef, it's like instant or a hairdresser, yeah. it's instant. Mine takes much, much longer. So, you know, for somebody who's so impatient, I've managed it fairly well over the years. It's very difficult, isn't it? Holding that vision sometimes. We're in the middle of a home renovation and there are times when you just think, oh my God. Yeah, but it's much worse when it's your own. Much, much worse. You know, I'm the client from hell when we do homes. I mean, so I I get it. It's (laughs) awful. You know, you can never make a decision. You change your mind. You're conscious of what you're spending somebody says something at a dinner and it throws you into a spiral and you come back and you think, have I done the right thing? It's all normal, totally Mm. normal. Are you quite instinctive with your design? Because sometimes I find that the first thing that I've thought of is often the best and then you can overthink. Yeah, 100%. In all my books, I say that. 100% follow your gut, especially as a woman. We're always right. Always follow that and don't listen to what other people say. It's, It's not necessary. 
Do you have anybody on your wish list that would be kind of your dream to work with? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it would ever happen because, you know, what would I do for him? But the Dalai Lama, who I've met once, gosh, I think there are a few people. But, you know, I've worked for so many magical people in my in my career and I'm still getting people knocking on the door. I'm like, really? It's a pinch me moment. So I sort of quite like the thing of ne- never knowing, not mm. knowing. But I do have this thing where I, I put it out there and I say I want to work in Mexico or I really fancy a project in New York or whatever and I make it come and it does. And they all laugh at me at the studio. They go, oh my God, you just said that five months ago. And then there's a job there. I'm like, see? <laughs> so manifesting. Yeah. 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 Now, from where I sit, then you look like you're firing on all cylinders. Um, <laughs> you really are. And your fit frame as well belies your 64 years. But I know that it hasn't been the easiest year for you health wise. Um, but thankfully, you're on the other side of what by all accounts was kind of a real turning point in your life, discovering you yeah. had breast cancer, and then the subsequent treatment and recovery. So we'll go into greater detail sort of about that now. But right now, sort of this morning, where are you at in terms of your health? I mean, never felt better. I feel amazing. And so it happened a year ago and I'd been putting it off and putting it off, thinking if I don't know, it's better. And for some reason, I woke up one morning and I said to my temporary PA, Phoebe, please book me an appointment to go and have a mammogram. And I went... The short story is that they found something in in two milk ducts. And it was a moment I just went deaf, you know. And if it wasn't for John, my partner, who was my ears and my mouth for literally eight weeks, because I couldn't hear what people were saying. It was it was like a muffled sound, you know, this can't be happening to me. And of course, you always think I've got the worst kind of cancer and I'm going to lose my hair and I'm going to die and all of these things. And they kept saying, no, it's very, very early. You're very lucky, but we need to do all of the tests. So I had to have endless mammograms and biopsies and, you know, the removal of the tissue around where they had taken the cancer out, which was really unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Then they thought they'd seen something in the left breast and I had to go through the whole thing again. And that was all clear. The long and short of it was I came out of it with a very sore right boob. And I was told I didn't need chemotherapy or radiation and that I could stay on my HRT bioidenticals, which, believe it or not, which is a whole nother question, Mm. a whole nother conversation, was the thing I was most concerned about. Mm. Because I didn't realize that the older you got, the more likely you could get breast cancer. I thought I'd passed that stage, which is why mm-hmm. I wasn't bothering to go. So I was very stupid. I was, you know, ill-informed. But I saw an amazing Dr. Newson who spoke to me at length and said, more women are getting breast cancer because doctors are telling them to come off HRT. And, you know, there is a balance between this. So there's a whole conversation going on. But my life wouldn't have been worth it to not be focused and on it. And bioidentical I believe, a less harmful if you're mm-hmm. looking at that side of this conversation. And I went back and had my six-month checkup. I was clear. But I, I wanted to get to the year. And I yeah. went and had my checkup, I think it was five or six weeks ago. And I got the all clear. And it was just the most amazing moment. And all the same nurses and doctors were there. And I was hugging them. And it just felt like family rather than before where I didn't know anything. Yeah, And I remember walking out of the hospital and John was away and he'd said, look, I'll change my flight. I said, you know what? I'm going to be braver than ever and do this on my own. So it was a big moment for me not to cancel it, number one, and to go. And I came out and it was pouring with rain. And I walked to Berkeley Square, was absolutely drenched. I didn't care. I just felt so enamored with life and health and blessed and happy and every single day since then I've woken up and if I'm concerned about something at work or I'm worried or I'm moaning about something I go do you know what today's a good day because I'm healthy that's what I've learned through this that every Mm. day really does count but it also your positive mindset when you're going through something like this 
is really important. And I feel slightly, you know, sometimes like I talk about it because I can, because I have a voice, but there are women out there who are going through way worse than me. You know, I heard of a woman the other day that's got young kids and she's in her early 40s and she's having a mastectomy. And and I thought I got off scot-free, you know, even though it was breast cancer. But in order that I can talk about it, I'm just saying to women, get checked. And I finally, the penny has dropped with me that if you go regularly and I have to go every six months and you find something, you've got a better chance of not having all of those treatments then if you leave it so mm. that's the journey but I I feel better than ever I'm you know I've already done an hour in the gym this morning nothing's changed in my life other than my mindset and what's important and who I want to spend time with really because your mother had breast cancer didn't she at a similar yeah, same age. age same thing yeah. exactly the same and she's still kicking at nearly 90 so you yeah know. And what do you think was behind sort of you not wanting to go to have mammograms in the years before? I always hated it. I used to go with Tash, my daughter, and when she moved to the country, we just didn't do it anymore. And we always used to go together. And I've always had lumpy breasts and cysts and things. And, you know, so I sort of never really worried. But I very much have that, uh, which is strange, that thing, if I don't know better then I don't have to worry Mm. about it I can just keep going and you know I often used to sit and listen to friends go oh we've had a full scan we we want to know if our kidneys and our this or that and I'd be like why do you want to know all of that just get on with your life but I think with women it's important and I think the older that we get we're much younger than we used to be you know somebody posted the other day on Instagram a picture of a two well-known faces I can't remember who they were and it said this used to be old 45 but they did look old you know today people look more useful people are living longer so there's more Alzheimer and dementia and you know the life has changed women have babies at 40 I was 23 you know so Mm -hmm. the whole world has changed yeah I hope that doctors and physicians and people figure out this breast cancer HRT this whole thing with women and you know there are great people like Lisa Snowden and Davina McCall that are you know really putting a spotlight on but Dr. Newson is somebody you should look up because she's brilliant so Um, that's Louise Dr. Louise Newson yeah and she funny enough I met her when I was going on to this morning and she was being interviewed by Holly and that's again synchronistic that's how we met it was so odd and I was going through all of this. But mm. it's lovely to meet other women who are looking at it from different angles. So you're not everyone yeah. is, you know, because menopause is crap, you know. And again, I thought because I was 64, I wouldn't go back into it. Well, let me tell you, you would. I thought once mm. you got it and you got to a certain age, you were like, okay, ciao. No. Well, it does seem to be some conflicting advice because I was talking to somebody just the other week on World Menopause Day who was having treatment for cancer, who'd been told by her doctor to come off HRT Depends what during cancer. that treatment. Yeah. So if you're going on uh, the, if you're having radiation, you know, it depends. I was very, very early, but I was prepared to take the risk. And my oncologist spoke to my hormone guy Dr. Gailey and they both made the decision not but I, you know this is not for everybody so I'm not stating no. here and saying this is what you can do obviously your doctors have to speak to you about it yeah and you didn't spot any kind of lump in a breast it was purely a routine mammogram that picked it up it was just a gut in my stomach yeah wow I know. so what would you know. say to somebody that is putting off having those well, just go, program. just go, just book it, you know, take a friend, your best girlfriend, somebody with you. Uh, and by the way, the day I was going for that check, I got stuck in a traffic jam and took a picture of it and sent it to my PA saying, I'm not going to make it. And she went, you're going to make it. They're going to wait. So even then I tried to pull out. Wow. What was going yeah. on there with the pulling out? Was that fear driving it? Just for years, I just didn't want to know. I just didn't want to know. 
but you know that's all past now and I would mm. never do it again and you know I wrote a piece in my own words in the mail to talk to people about how I had felt and mm. what had happened yeah I'm really glad that I've got to this point and now you know I'm sure I'll be nervous the next time I go for a for a test but you've just got to be positive Mm. and what about your relationship with Natasha now has it changed her opinion on getting regular mammograms Natasha's always been way more sensible (laughs) yeah she's very sensible and she's very holistic Natasha you know she's she's just one of those extraordinary women who She's always ahead of herself. I, I, I don't know. I've always admired that. She's very pragmatic. She's very organized. She's very in tune with her body. I have no worries about her with things like that. She's, she's good like that. Would you say John was your greatest support in getting through that time? Oh, with, without like a doubt, because amazing. we were together, you know, and he was extraordinary I you know what if if somebody had asked me a year ago if that had happened could you rely on John I would have said 100% so it didn't shock me but he was extraordinary like really extraordinary and patient and calm and as I said he was my ears and my voice throughout that time it was horrific and I didn't talk to anybody about it other than a friend of mine, Diane Cordas, who had been through breast cancer, she was amazing. And obviously my daughter knew. And But other than that, I just wanted to get it over. I was reading a, an article about Nick from Soho House that had prostate cancer. He said the same thing in the article. Only Kirsty knew and a few close friends. I just wanted to get to the next, you know, I sort of get it. Mm. So you could manifest having those yeah. conversations well, like we're having now, it. knowing it's yeah, and, all, you're and all clear. managing it, you know, because mm. I think otherwise people are calling you the whole time and sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and there's lots of anxiety around waiting, isn't there, when you're going oh, through cancer treatment and even when you've been, you know, preparing for surgery as well. How did you deal? How did you cope with that? Uh, I was a nightmare I remember when I was going in and I was only there for the day the what do you call it the um, guy that gives puts you out what is he called a anesthetist came in and he was chatty 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 and John was sitting there with me and he was like so do you have any false teeth and I'm like why no <laughs> and John turned around to him and said I'm just telling you now less information is better with Kelly we've got her here she's going down to have the surgery because obviously they put the thing down your throat and they need to know and he kept asking me my date of birth and I kept telling him and then everyone that came in kept asking me my date of birth anyway I walked down to surgery because obviously I can and I got down there and I was freezing and then Mm. two more people asked me my date of birth and I went I hope I'm getting a really big present in a minute because everyone is asking me where my birth is. And the next thing I knew, I was out. And he said, count backwards, you know. And then it was over. But mm. um, I don't like hospitals. I don't like any of that because of, you know, my dad and everything. So it's quite. it was quite a big deal to go through that whole process. Yeah. But I feel I was much stronger going back now for the mammogram and everything else. So I think I've sort of learned how to sort of deal with it a bit. Yeah. And how would you sort of recommend somebody that's listening to this that is maybe supporting a family member or a close friend going through that? What is the best that we can do to support somebody? For me, and I think it's a very personal thing, it's listening, letting your partner, whoever it is, be able to say the things that they need to say, and they could be repeating themselves. And just literally being there and being honest enough to say, do you feel like going out and seeing friends? Do you want to go and have a drink? Do you want to do this? Or do you just want to stay at home and snuggle Mm. and watch a movie? Tell me what you want. I'm here to support you. It's the only thing you can do because it's very hard on the partner. You know, there were a few times where I definitely snapped at John because I was so anxious and then I would Mm. break down in tears and he would just be there and it was, you know, it was fine. Because you're, you know, I'm such a strong person normally. So I think you want to be around someone that really knows you, that doesn't take anything personally or whatever. People will find the footing on how is best. 
because mm. you'll be with somebody and just support them. Take the mm. pressure off. And as somebody that is such a workaholic where work has your life, you know, how was that kind of being forced to slow down and well, to I recover? I didn't. I worked through it, the whole thing and only told three people at the studio at a very high level what I was going through. And it really helped me to go to work. And again, like Nick said, there would be these phone calls where I'd have to go and outside to take them to get results. That mm. was the worst. And there were some days I just couldn't go in. But when it was all over and I wrote to everyone in my company, they were horrified that I'd been through this and that none of them knew. But they were so supportive of me. And when I got the all clear a couple of weeks ago, I let them all know and they were like sending balloons and bangers oh. and all of that, you know. So yeah, it's. I think sometimes work is a good thing because mm. it keeps your mind off it. Mm -hmm. Have you surprised yourself in any way with how you've coped with this challenge, this health challenge? No, not really. I just, yeah. I'm glad it's over. I try not to mm -hmm. think about it. To be honest, I don't really talk about it anymore yeah. um, because it's that's the past. You know, I'm, I'm very mm. much like this is the future this mm. is what's important. Today's important. You know, I'm happy to do this because other women can take something away from it. But I just live in the now and yeah. look forward to, you know, what it does do is it makes me think I need to take the odd day off and not be so, you know, I don't need to be there all the time. I've got an amazing team and, you know, I do the work of 20 people in a day. So I yeah. can plan stuff you know and take a bit of time off and I think that's important and what's your favorite things to do when you do take that time off do you enjoy a glass of wine I know you have lots of sort of mini breaks with friends I see some of those you've got a yeah. great crowd a girlfriend's really important yeah girlfriends are amazingly important and I want to do more of these girls lunches like once a month go out with the girls for lunch because I always feel mm. so amazing after that but being with family being with my grandson you know for lunch or taking him out or doing something or just being with friends I mean you know being in the countryside long lunches you know I'm not much of a drinker but you know I peak too early you know we'll go out yeah. to dinner and to a bar and you know I have one cocktail and I'm like woo Maybe I, okay, it's 9.30. I know, <laughs> I can really feel it. Alcohol just doesn't agree with me in the same way as it used to do. Yeah, you know? But I, just, yeah. I can have one and that's enough. Yeah, um, I'm the same. I've always been that way. And Kelly, you are always full of really great well-being and kind of dietary type tips whenever I see you. You've got me into mushroom tea recently, oh, yeah. flow oh, brew. Yeah. What are your sort of go-tos in terms of your own health um, and wellness? Well, I've always been gluten-free for like 30-odd years. Uh, so I'm, you know, and I, I eat enough protein, enough carbohydrate and good fat every single day. I work out the macros and stuff because I train sort of five or six days a week. I take all the mm. usual supplements, you know, for nails, for face, you know, D, C, E, I don't know, all of them. So I'm very consistent like that. You know, for me, exercise is absolutely key. doesn't matter how long you do. I think for women, you know, which is the only person I can speak for, I think it's really important for your state of mind. I prefer to do it early in the morning so it's out the way. I'm not good later in the day. I'm, I'm tired that I'm good early morning. And I think it gets the serotonin going. It makes you feel good. I'm very consistent with having facials and you know, I, I look after myself, you know, yeah. I like having my nails done. I like, you know, mm -hmm. and I've always made time for those things. And I think consistency is key with anything that you do. And the mushroom thing is a new thing for me, which I sort of looked at and was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do something else. But then I started reading about it, looking into it, and then trialed it. And the difference, like, I had a focus one this morning. Because I, woke I like up the focus three, best. Unbelievable. Three o'clock this morning, I woke up and I couldn't sleep because I'm flying tonight and I hate flying. And I haven't slept since three o'clock this morning. And look at me. 
So wow. I had my coffee and my flow brew and did an hour in the gym. So it's got all the benefits for mental health, for your gut, for your skin, you know, all of those things. But I'm always looking at new things and new ways to eat healthy. And as I said, I don't drink a huge amount. And I do think that is a, an awful thing for women if you drink a lot. You know, you've got to find that balance. I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit here and go never have another drink or do, you no. know, but find the balance. The question I always say to women when I meet them and stuff is, how do you want to feel in the morning? And I do want to feel good. I couldn't run a business and wake up with a hangover. You know, when I was in my 20s, I could. But now it's a lot more difficult. Plus the fact I like to have that clear, focused head, feel mentally good, cope with whatever comes at me and just stay on top of the game. Just, you know, stay on top of the game. Don't be obsessed with your Instagram and following people and getting pulled into all of that, you know. It's more about less is more. And, you know, I think Stephen Bartlett always puts some great sayings out there about people and who you follow and how you aspire to people and what's important. I think we can take on way too much information and then we have none. Whereas if you choose fewer but better you can learn from that. I think that's really key. Yeah. I'm interested in your exercise regime five or six times a week. What does that look like? Is that something you do at home or do you go out to a gym or are you a runner? No, I'm never a runner. I I do it at home. So I do Pilates or I do, you know, heavy weights or I do body weight or I do stretch. So a mixture of that. Some weeks I'm like firing on all cylinders and my state of mind is I just want to push myself to the next thing. Otherwise, I just sustain where I am. My weight never really changes mm. uh, because my food's very consistent. But I love it. Oh, I didn't love it this morning. Sorry, Blanca. When you're tired <laughs> as well. Yeah, I'm tired, but I feel better for having done it. You yeah. Know? And is th- and is some mornings, is it sort of 10 minutes or is it always half an hour? No, it's an or hour, an hour of- and a half. An hour, yeah. an hour and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what time yeah. do you normally get up? Uh, 5.40 is the first alarm. Second alarm is six. So between 5.40 and six, it's kind of meditation. The sad lamp is coming on. <laughs> Let me just tell you, jo- John is putting up with all of this. I have the dream part. Uh, <laughs> and then I get up and I go and make coffee for us both. And I have my hot water and lemon. And then it's just slowly waking up, chatting, talking, watching the news until I train at 7 or 7.30, normally 7.30. Mm. Wow, that's inspiring. Do you worry about aging or are you somebody who refuses to be defined by age? Well, you'll see there's a campaign coming out soon, which is all about this. I can't say what it is, but no, age is just a number. And I've never, up until COVID, even thought about how old I was. The only reason that it became something in my mind was because I I could get one of the first back teeth. So Mm, that literally was the moment. And I'm trying to eradicate all of that because I'm so sick of people sort of going, oh, you look great for your age. and No, I just look great, you know, and women should just embrace that. And, you know, as I said, like from the age of 40, 50, 60, you know, I look at my mum, she's nearly 90. She looks amazing, never had Mm. anything done to her skin. But her mind and her mental state was always so positive. She worked for a living. She loved life. She loved theatre, music, people, talking, walking. And I think, you know, that's what makes people useful. And I think we've got to embrace that. And we have to properly nourish the fact that we are who we are. And we have to stop looking at women thinking, well, she looks old or Mm. she's so young, she's so lucky or all of those things because they're irrelevant. They truly are. Do you think that's getting worse in our society or has it always been there? I think it's got worse, but I think there's going to be a huge shift now because I, I see it every day, you know, with people older coming out with exercise or face or this or that look at jane seymour 72 mm. she looks incredible look at joan you know? collins you know collins sell out tour in the west yeah. end i mean you new book so, out yeah you know 
there's lessons mm-hmm. to be learned, youngsters out there, you know, Absolutely. And, and people that are cruel and point fingers at people. You know, we have to just put blinkers on and do what we know is good. And I think the more of this positive energy is needed so that we become a tribe almost of this kind of amazing energy for women, because I think it's needed and it's important. And I just feel in my gut that there is a a rumbling coming from all sides, don't you, of people really pioneering this. And I, you know, you and I are very good at pulling people together. We should next year just gather everybody and do some incredible thing somewhere because from all sides, whether it's menopause or skin or hair or fitness or food or mental health or cooking or whatever it is, there are these extraordinary women that are, are really speaking with such positive intention at the moment. And I think it's great. I really do. And that's when social media can be brilliant because it Gets yeah, it out amplifies there to it all. Amplifies I, it, yeah. I agree. And certainly around menopause as well, you know, the fact that we're talking about it so much more openly so women can get the help that they need more mm. freely and easily and are not dropping out of careers and jobs potentially at the top of their game. We can't lose no, these women from the workforce. Can't have that. Uh-uh. I've just scratched out my question to you about reti- the retirement age of retiring because I already know what your answer will be. What is that? I'm <laughs> never going to retire no you can't I think I think it's really important like it's really important to keep your brain active you can change direction you can do different things as you get you know further along in in your life but I will never ever retire I I couldn't I would be Mm. so bored you know after a week I would literally be like climbing the walls I can see that just looking at your facial expression. (laughs) It's not for Kelly. What about, would you ever do a show like Strictly or something like that? Because from where I'm sat, you are flying at the moment. And this is only the beginning of this next chapter. And I think with what's happened with cancer as well has kind of only fueled your thirst for life. Would you Um, do a show like that? Would you kind of, because you've been a dragon on Dragon's Den. Yeah, I've turned down so many. I just turned down the jungle again. Yeah. About the 10th year. (gasps) They need some interior design in that jungle. If I didn't have to go near any of the tasks, if they pulled me in just to look after the camp, I would love it. Right. Um, I've been asked to do dancing on ice, the uh, skiing one. Strictly when I was doing Dragon, they asked me to do uh, one of the shows, not the main show, one of the others. And then I never got asked again. I'm not sure I would do it now because I'm so competitive and I would literally not be, have time to work. And <laughs> yeah, I sort of don't, you know. Would it be fun? Yeah, I'm sure I would love it. And I know Tess and Claudia really well. Um, but. And and most of the judges actually, but I cut you know I work for a living. People think that I don't, and I have yeah. a business that I love, and is is a big big business. You know, we're running so many projects right now, and I've got something launching next year, which you'll all hear about. And you know, to take ten weeks off to learn how to dance, it's not that I wouldn't want to, but I just think it would be irresponsible. Mm, it is an intense schedule isn't it everybody that's been on it has sort of said that it's no smoke and mirrors you really have to put in that training yeah yeah can you dance yeah of course i can (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know i could dance like that but i could learn but yeah i love to dance i love music oh and um just finally a few little kind of quick fiery ish questions what are your little luxuries in life Oh, luxuries of time. I mean, time, holidays, no alarm clock, being able to shop without looking at a clock, you know, like really silly things. That, that's luxury. Being with my grandson and mm, being able Rudy, to not Rudy, I know you love oh, spending time with him. It. Yeah, those are luxuries. Yeah. And where is your good place if you could be beamed anywhere in the world? Where's the ultimate good place? Um, I think I'm sitting in it, but I also have, you know, the country. So I think that's an interesting one because I think it's all in here. You could be anywhere and that's your happy place. Yeah. 
Oh, well, that's a lovely place to finish, I think. <laughs> and what an inspiring conversation. I feel really empowered and ready oh. to kind of take on my next chapter too. So thank you for that, Kelly. Thank you. you. Really... You're such an inspiration. You're just like one of my faves of all people. Oh. You're just always so giving and everything that you do and how you write about people is so positive. So yeah, very happy to do this. And Let's do something big, bring the whole world of women together next year. I think it could be really amazing, like talks or something. I don't know. Just I agree. people, yeah. Yeah, my mind is buzzing in that area, so I'm going <laughs> to call you and have a big chat about it. Um, okay. But I'm just so pleased for you as well that you've got the all clear and that Thank everything you. is all right. Because I remember you telling me um, when you were just coming through it and it wasn't the right yeah, time I to do something. Yeah, I couldn't come to a lunch and I felt really That's bad. And, but yeah. Yeah, so I'm really glad that we're here having this conversation on the other side and long may that health last for you. Thank you so much. I've left feeling really positive after that conversation with Kelly. There were so many pointers in that conversation. Number one has to be just do it. Book that mammogram. If you've been putting it off, just pick up the phone and make the one thing you do after listening to this podcast, booking that mammogram appointment. You never know what might be discovered. And if Kelly hadn't made herself go to that appointment, she wouldn't have discovered that she did actually have some breast cancer cells, which she subsequently had removed. So don't put it off. Number two, age is just a number. Embrace it. Kelly's face when I mentioned the word retirement was a picture to see. She loves keeping her brain active and she refuses to be defined by age. And finally, consistency. Kelly's approach to her well-being as part of her daily routine, I found really inspiring. I'm going to try to do some training every day. Not sure if I'll manage an hour and a half, but choosing fewer but well was such a great tip when it comes to looking after your own health. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends and I'd be so grateful if you could leave us a rating or a review. Don't forget to sign up to the In A Good Place newsletter for more discussion around personal development tips, the concept of resetting your life and to share your thoughts with me. Simply visit hellomagazine.com and click on the newsletter icon at the top to register.